For God so loved that he gave. I want you to get that connection this morning. The Bible says God is love, and what love does is love gives. And for God so loved us that he gave himself as the Son to us. Proverbs 18 and 16 says, A person's gift makes room for him and leads him before important people. Your gift will make room for you in this life. And I want to speak to that thought in you this morning. When you discover and develop the gift that God has put within you, the real you will bloom with joy. The person who is the true self, the real person in you who God has called you to be, will begin to come forth with joy and confidence as you discover the gift of God in your life. Jesus said this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Who hasn't heard that stated before? Even unsaved people know that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. However, most people think when they hear that, well, I don't know. When I'm in need, I want to be on the receiving end. And so most of us honestly think that it's better to receive than to give. So what was Jesus talking about when he said, it is truly more blessed. And let me say it like this. It's more blessed to be a giver than it is to be a receiver. However important it may be to receive it, you're more blessed when you are a giver than you are when you're a receiver. And the reason you're more blessed when you are a giver is because you're never more like God than when you're giving the gift that God has put into your life. You see, God flows through giving. It is His nature and it is His universal principle. And so when you are giving, you are acting like God. And when you are giving the thing that God has put in your life, you are stirring up and activating the new creation. You're activating the Jesus that is within you. And that's why you are more blessed when you give, no matter what it is you may give away, you are more blessed being a giver than you are being a receiver. Say amen, somebody. For God, essentially, himself is ultimately a giver. And God designed life to perpetuate through giving. Think about Genesis. Think about how God created everything to multiply through giving. God didn't build an assembly line. There's not a great big factory in heaven, million angels at work, manufacturing people units. So God's not rolling people off an assembly line somewhere. Every time we need Needs a new person or two, they just plop, there's a new, another person manufactured uh, coming off the conveyor belt. All God did was he made a man and he made a woman. He made a man, divided him, male and female. They came together, they gave themselves to each other. Poof, out came more people. I'm sorry, but probably seems like that when you think about it. Hallelujah. So, so God brings a man and a woman together. That's all he creates. And he created the future 
by having them give themselves to each other. The future came out of Adam and Eve as they gave themselves one. That's all God had to make. When he made Adam, the future of the human race was in Adam. Have you ever listened to the language of the Bible, how it talks about we were in the loins of our father? It's because God is a giver. The entire universal principle of living comes out of giving. Somebody say, praise the Lord. God's way is to put potential into a seed and then to grow the future. You must give if you want to have a future. No giving, no future. No seed, no future. Think about it with me. It works absolutely in the natural. Whole lineages of people come to an end when there's no longer the giving of the seed. That family ends and the name dies with it. If you want a future, become a giver. Learn how God has designed you to give. Through this series, learn what gift God has put in your life or what gifts the Lord has installed in you. Begin to, begin to pursue those. Begin to develop an understanding. Begin to relate with God as a giver of his gifts, and you will discover the real self. True joy over who you are will replace any of the frustrations and aggravations that you struggle with concerning yourself. God built all of us so that we could drink from a fountain of joy from within us and not have to stand around struggling, frustrated, waiting for a fountain of happiness to spring up in our circumstances. Because you could be waiting a long time before things turn around and get just right so that you get happy. But you could be drinking from that well of joy every minute of every hour of every day of your life if you learn the truth that you are a gift and God has put gifts within you. Because as you discover yourself as a gift and a gift giver, then that true potential in you brings you joy as you give. Why? Because it is more blessed to give. Sometimes the blessing you need will come as you say, wait a minute, let me remember. What has God put in me as a gift? Have I been living through my gift? Have I been giving through that gift? Have you ever noticed we get dried out, we get frustrated, aggravations pile up on us, rob our joy? When we get into that mode of I need, I need, I've got to have. We're looking outside, we're looking at our shortages. But I remember when uh, years ago when I first started spending time in Africa, I used to see little signs on the backs of vehicles, on truck sides of building everywhere that said, givers never lack. Givers never lack. And I'm riding around in some of the most poverty-stricken areas of the world thinking, man, is anyone reading these signs? They're writing them, but I don't know if anyone's reading them. <laughs> so the Bible says if you know these things, happier you if you do them. The whole point of this message is to, is to help to get you not only to knowing that you are a gift, but the doing of it. Getting in touch with the gift that God has put in your life and beginning to direct your energies in your life through those gifts that the Lord has put within you. Because God's way is to put potential into a seed and then to grow the future through it. 
The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. Before God ever began to dig out a foundation, set footers, build a basement, construct poor floors, build a wall, begin to build human history, the Bible says he sat down, Chris is an architect, he sat down and he thought about what he wanted to do. And then he designed it within himself. And out of the absolute nothingness and the void, the Lord spoke and began to build, but he already knew where we're all ended. Did you know that God's got your finish line in view? Jesus, the Bible says, is the author and the developer of your faith. The gift in you, in the mind of God, is already developed. All you have to do is discover it and begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. God's way is to put potential into a seed and then to grow the future from it. We're not building the future. If we walk as the gift of God, we're discovering the future. So you must give to have a future. No giving, no future. God produced the new creation. What is a Christian? 2 Corinthians 5.17 actually gives a solid biblical definition for what a true Christian is. It's not somebody who owns a Bible, belongs to a church, and runs around and tells people, I'm a Christian. It's not even a person who believes in Jesus. It is a person who has been born again and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit with the seed of Jesus. They are a new species. They are a new creation. They're not a Christian because they've taken the title. They're a Christian because God has changed them. They are not human brand X. They are new creation. Hallelujah. And so God produced the new creation by giving himself as a gift to mankind. So you, listen to this, you are a giver because you're the offspring of Jesus. As the new creation, the seed of Abraham produced you. Galatians calls Jesus the seed of Abraham. And seeds produce what they came from. Jesus came from God. Jesus is God. And Jesus produced the new creation. So how can he produce in you anything less than what he is? If God so loved the world and his love was so full that it overflowed through giving then how can you and I, when we walk with him, be anything less than a giver? The giver produced giving in you. Somebody say praise the Lord. We're born of the seed of Abraham, so we are gift givers. Listen, the day that you realize that, that gifts from God are within you, and you begin to seek him for their development... And use is the day that the real you will begin to emerge and live. 1 Corinthians 2.12 has been a favorite verse of mine for a number of years, and it really finds uh, the sweet spot in this message. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit, who is from God, given to us so that we may realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts bestowed on us by God. 
Why has God put his spirit in you? Because you are a new creation. The Holy Spirit has made you a new creation. And God has given you the Holy Spirit so that you can be awakened to the gifts, that you would realize that there are gifts in you, that you would comprehend what those gifts are, that you would appreciate them, and that you would begin to live through those gifts. You know, people who have identified and lived through their gift changed their world. All the stories through the Bible tell of men and women. Many of them came from obscurity. In fact, once they begin to wake up and discover the gift in their life, <clears throat> sometimes the pursuit of that gift drove them from high acceptance among men into obscurity and rejection among men. But eventually, living the gift that God has put in your life if you truly ride that gift through life, it will make a place for you in this world. And God will bring great change into the world through the gift. And one of the greatest examples of that is John the Baptist. He comes out of nowhere, and nobody knows who he is because he's been spending all of his adult life out in the desert, out in the wilderness. And the Bible says that when he started baptizing, all of Israel came out to him as he was prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. And so here come the religious class, and they want to check his credentials out. And they want to know, who are you? Because they notice all their congregation members are running out to him by the riverside, and they're all getting baptized by this guy. And so when they ask him, who are you, John says, and he quotes Isaiah. He's figured out who he is according to the word of God. He's figured out the gift that is in him, and it's become the only reason for him to live. What does he say when they said, we, we're looking for, do you have a resume? Do you have a card? Do you have a, is there a flyer? Is there a brochure? You got a video? Got a promo? Can you describe yourself? And he quotes one little thin verse. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare. He's distilled his life down to his gift. He sees no worth or value in saying anything else because as far as he's concerned, he isn't anything else. He's that. He's the gift that God has put in him. And that's why when he emerges from the desert and begins to operate in that gift, the world makes room for him. Because he's tr not trying to be anything other than the gift. Are you listening to me? The world will make place for you when you live through your gift. Now John positioned himself for success. Do you know how much money has been made writing books and producing videos about how to position yourself for success? The schools that make fortunes cranking out one generation after another. And some of them, a handful of them go on to be successes in life, but unfortunately most of them never reach potential in their life, although they've been prepared, groomed for success. 
John positioned himself for success in the wilderness with God. He found his gift, and that's all he ate, drank, breathed. I mean, who would eat bugs? He was so full of the gift, he wasn't interested in anything else. You know, John positions himself for success in the wilderness with God and not embedded in man's culture. Listen to me, Christian. If you want to be effective in the harvest, if you want to have an impact on your generation, you're never going to get there studying culture. You're never going to get there trying to, trying to activate the gift by, by learning how to connect with the culture of the world. There's nothing wrong with relating with people. But if that's where you invest yourself, thinking that the gift is going to come forth because you have made yourself culturally relevant, then you don't understand the nature of giving. When God so loved the world that he gave his son, he didn't give someone that the pastors would appreciate. He didn't give someone that the Romans would approve of. He didn't give somebody that all the different classes of the people, he came himself. God just said, this is me, I am the I am. And when he took human form, that was Jesus. And he never tried to be anything other than what he was, the word made flesh, the love of God in manifestation. And man, the world turned out. And they're still turning out. And so John the Baptist is a, you know, he's a great example of positioning yourself to succeed Live the gift that God has put within you. Listen, your gifts are seeds of potential waiting to be sown. Don't take them to the grave with you. Amen. Are you taking the gifts that God has put in your life to the grave with you? Don't take them to the grave. For the graveyards of the world with their unused potentials, gifts, and dreams, contain more wealth than all of the world's stock markets. Gold treasures, diamond mines, all combined together. There's more wealth today lying in the graveyards of the world in the form of dreams and potentials, visions that were never realized, never acted upon, never pursued, for every life-changing success story out there that somebody toiled and sacrificed to bring to fruition 10,000 lion graves lost forever. Because people went through life doing what they had to do rather than what they wanted to do. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you love the Lord and the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of heart. If we truly did that, wouldn't it be awesome if you could go through life doing what you love to do rather than spending your life doing what you have to do and unhappy doing it? God did not design us to spend our life toiling in frustration and unhappiness. You'll never be happy until you're blessed as a giver. 
It is more blessed to give than receive because you bloom when you give. When you are the man or the woman that God has called you to be, true joy, true happiness, true fulfillment comes forth. There's nothing like it. I mean, there is nothing like operating in the gift of God. You can't compare it to anything else in your life. And whatever that gift is in you, you're not going to get it from somebody else. You can't go to Bible school and learn it. You can't go to a seminar to receive it. It comes only from God. Only God can tell you who you are. Only God can show you the gift that He has put in your life. And if you get with Him, it is one of the first things He will show you. And as I look out on this congregation this morning, I know a number of you have known the Lord for a long time. Let me say this to you. The Lord has already shown many of you who you are way, way back in the beginning. Some of you have walked off and forgotten it. Some of you have moved on in pursuit of other things. Some of you have buried it in the backyard, fearful of the responsibility of digging it up and going out and risking it in investment. But I tell you the truth that one of the first things God will ever speak to you about is the gift that he has put in your life. And if you're careful, if you truly listen, he's there explaining and showing you who you are in him based on the gift that he's made you to be. Who was John the Baptist? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Every world-altering invention. Think of... I don't have my cell phone on me, but some of you are looking at your cell phones, your tablets. Think of how the computer chip. I think when they assessed the greatest inventions of the 20th century, and the 20th century was just pregnant with the greatest advancements in 6,000 years of human history, we rounded the corner from the 1900s into the 20th century, and expansion just absolutely exploded. Information exploded. And the inventions took us, think of where we were just a little over 100 years ago and where humanity is today, just from the standpoint of technological advancement. And when they were considering what were the greatest inventions of the 20th century, I think on most people's list, number one, at least number one or number two, was the computer chip. How it had revolutionized life as we know it. So think about every world-altering invention Every great building and project, every successful enterprise began as an idea in somebody's head who refused to let it go. Every single one of them. We look at things sometimes envying. Wow, I wish I had that. Oh, I wish I could do that. Sometimes we're jealous. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we feel, well, life has, has dealt me a bad hand. I, I've, I've, I've started at a disadvantage in life. The reason they were able to go on and do this or do that or build this or, or be that is because they, they started at an elevated level. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm disadvantaged. You see, whether you have advantages or whether you are completely born in slavery and have no advantages, you go talk to Joseph. The next time you want to talk about having advantages versus having the gift of God. Amen. The world 
put Joseph, God's gift, in the bondage of slavery, but he wouldn't let, hold, wouldn't let go of the gift of God and it pulled him out. He went, from, he went from the pit of the prison to the prime minister of the greatest empire on the face of the earth in that time. And he did it in one afternoon. <laughs> Your gift will make a place for you. But you have to decide where you're going to look in life. You have to decide where you're going to place your values. You, it, it, there's nothing wrong with cultivating and preparing and getting an education and positioning yourself and doing those things that you have to do in life. But Christian, hear me this morning. If you put your faith in those preparations, prepare to, at the very best, have minimal success and never really be happy and possibly fail. If you want to have true joy... If you want to be truly fulfilled in life, find out what God has put in you. Be that man. Be that woman. Live that gift. Don't try to do anything more or anything less. Listen to me. Somebody had an idea that they would not let go. They burned the midnight lamp. They spent everything they had, went and borrowed and spent all that, went into debt, broke themselves, to bring to fruition the vision they had in them. And Jesus said the world in their generation is wiser than the children of God because of what they do with what they have versus what we do with what we have. A million breakthroughs. Everyone say breakthrough. breakthrough. How many of you got, I sat at that silly computer this morning going, I need a breakthrough. One minute before the service was supposed to start, the thing's buffering, it won't stop. If a stranglehold could fix it, I could have fixed it. <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is that we all know what a breakthrough means. Somebody break this log jam and get me through this. Breakthrough. A million breakthroughs. Acts of grace, manifestations of deliverance die every minute from fear and are never experienced because people don't act on the gifts God has put within them. Think in the will of God what our city would look like if we lived the gift. Every minute God has a breakthrough. Every second, he has a deliverance. Every moment, there's an answer. There's an act of grace that God, he never naps. He never takes a break. He never stops to reload. Are you listening to me? Dwight L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, says God's one pent-up revival. It's absolutely true. God's got one speed. Go. He, he lives. He, he doesn't do anything but live. He gives. He doesn't do anything but give. He's the ever-living, ever-giving God. Can you say praise the Lord? You must be willing to ride your seed into the ground. Listen to me. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 12. The gift that God has put in you is a seed. Remember, God's universal way 
is that everything is a seed. He puts potential into seed form and grows the future from it. And so the gift in you is in the form of a seed. Until you begin to get it out, plant it, act on it. How many of you grow things? Probably everybody. Whether it's a plant or a vegetable or something. Does I know some of you are thinking, ask how many of us kill things. <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask that question. But for those of you that grow things, surely you understand what a seed is. If I put a seed in the palm of my hand, the seed of an oak tree, for example, and I were to hold it out in front of you, and I'd say, what do I have in my hand? Most of you would say, a seed, because you only see a seed. But what am I really holding in my hand? Well, you guys are getting better. You're getting better. I've got to give you that. I'm holding a forest. I'm holding a forest. I have the future in my hand. I have a forest in my hand. Hallelujah. You drive by a big lot that's been cleared in the city. There's a construction fence around it. And you see nothing but dirt. But there's a great big sign on, on four by fours, beautifully painted, and there's this gorgeous building showing the trees and the palm trees and the shrubbery and, and the color of the building and, and uh, the entranceway and the grandeur and glory of it all. What are you looking at? You're looking at the future. Give it a year or two. That building's going to be, they'll take the sign down. Do you know that that building was built before they even made the sign? This guy here is an architect. You, you ought to be jumping up and down inside over this message because it's all about what you do as a profession. Somebody has an idea. But you know, Chris sits down and he says, look, look, don't run to Home Depot and, and, and load up your truck with a bunch of supplies. Drag them out there to the lot and just start building. Because what you're going to end up with isn't going to look anything like what you want. No, you need an architect to sit down and think about where all the wiring goes, where all the plumbing goes. How are we going to, how are people going to move around in this building? And there's every little, every square inch of it has got to be thought through and designed so that it does what? functions. And then they make it look good on top of it. Do you know that God sat down before he ever made you and he thought of every capillary, every artery, every eyelash. He thought of every organ in your body. Then he, then he looked into your soul. He looked into your personality. He considered all of the attributes and he said, I'm going to put this gift in Giselle. I'm going to put this gift in Barbara. I'm going to fashion these gifts and put them in Rick. And he thought about all of it, and the Bible says that he finished the project, drew a picture of it, named Jesus, 
For we are all made in the image and likeness of God. When God rolled up Adam like a red lump of clay and breathed in him the breath of he was looking at the canvas of Jesus. Adam was designed after Jesus. That's why Jesus could show up and deliver him from his sins because he was made compatible to Jesus. Made in the image and likeness of God. Hallelujah. God designed success, life that would kill death and supersede failure into you and I. He put limitless rebound into you and I. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. You need to be willing to ride your seed into the ground because you know that the life in you can't die. Even if you, even if your pride dies, even if some of your fleshy wants and interests die, the gift in you will never die. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John 12. When they came to him and said, there's some Greek guys out there want to talk, some Gentile guys want to talk to you. He knew then the time to go to Calvary has come because now the world outside of Judaism is now hearing about me and they're wanting to come. It's time for me now to be the seed that goes into the ground and is broken so that it can be distributed as living bread out to every nation, kindred, and tongue. Hallelujah. And so when they come to him and they said, the, the Greeks are out there and they want to talk to you, the Bible says, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Oh, what if someone were to walk up to you, in the name of Jesus, your time has come to be glorified. You'd think, oh, I'm going to get that new house. Oh, I'm going to get that promotion. All of a sudden, um, they're going to want me to, 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 to be at the head of this thing. If you heard somebody say to you, your time of, of, of glorification has come, the last thing you'd be thinking about is, I'm about to die. <laughs> Yet Jesus said, my time to be glorified has come. There's nothing better that you can do with your gift than to ride it into the ground. Hallelujah. Let's, let me let, I'll let Brother Jesus tell you. He can tell you a lot better than I can. Listen, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. For I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat, a seed, falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain, just one seed. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. How many celebrities are committing suicide because of their gifts that are used to elevate self and they're living alone and they're empty. Remaining by itself alone. But if it dies, if you ride that gift into the ground, let it take you where it needs to go. It produces many others, Jesus said, and yields a great harvest. Don't be discouraged, Christian. When in pursuing the gifts that God has put in your life, they lead you into the earth of trials, obscurity, apparent failure, or abandonment. 
Because that seed to give life needs to break its shell of individuality so that others can receive life. There's a point at which the gift that God puts in you will absolutely, 100% of the time, always demand that you break away and you are forgotten. You are put behind so that life can come out for other people. If you have a vision in your mind that the gift in your life is going to make you great, you're still living above ground, you'll die alone if you don't commit suicide because you're miserable living with yourself. Do you under, does, is this too dramatic or do you, you kind of understand? All right, yeah, you, under, you understand what we're talking about. You know, there's more than one way to commit suicide. You can kill your soul. You, you just haven't fallen over yet. There are a lot of people walking around out there. They're dead, they just haven't fallen over. Are you listening to me? They died a long time ago. Every gift that God has put into your life, whether it's an anointing, whether it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it's a calling or a vision, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, a servant, a giver of hospitality, ministries of administration, whether it is a vision to minister to people or to give, to be a mother, to be a father, to show kindness, whether it uh, derives its facilitation from abilities and talents that God has put into your life and you use them for His glory, or whether it's a supernatural manifestation, it doesn't matter. It is a gift that God has put in you. And you're either going to take that thing and live for yourself and try to squeeze meaning, try to squeeze fulfillment out of it for yourself, or you're going to forget about self. Somebody can call you a name, what do you care? You don't matter. The gift matters. Somebody's going to ignore you. What do you care? It doesn't matter to you. You're being ignored. You're not here to be recognized. You're here to give your gift. Are you listening to me this morning? If we had more people in church, are you listening to me? If we had more people in church that were concerned about their gift giving life to others than they were about, about uh, uh, being recognized, distinguished, acknowledged, think about all of the breakthroughs that would be taking place. Think about the deliverances. Think about the manifestation of the power of God and the supernatural. What is prohibiting a supernatural church of born-again, God-gift-giving people from turning their cities upside down? We have not reconciled ourselves with the fact that we are a gift, and we have to ride that gift into the ground for that seed to break open and for others to be blessed. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen, Satan will always try to use one of two things to get you to put yourself before your gift, either pride or fear, one or the other. If pride, the devil will try to make you use your gift to exalt yourself rather than die to yourself. He will try to get you to use your gift to exalt yourself rather than die to yourself and release it as a seed to others. He will try to get you to be a celebrity rather than a giver with the gift that God has given you. Does that make any sense to anybody? But if you decide I'm not here to be a celebrity, couldn't care less, I want to give myself to God and to others as a seed, then prepare to have to ride it into the ground. If not, you will die alone. You will be by yourself. And that's the words of Jesus, so I feel 
pretty safe in saying it from the pulpit this morning. The second thing the devil will try to get you to do, the second thing he will use to try to get you um, to neglect the gift that is in you and not develop it, besides pride, is fear. The other end of the spectrum. In Matthew 25 and 25, Jesus talked about the people he had given talents to. Remember the one person that received the talent that the Lord was, was angry with and rebuked was the one that said, I'll read it to you. He buried his talent in the backyard. Many people have taken the gift of God in their life, the vision, the dream, the potential. They've buried it in the backyard. It's not only not something that they're, they're not living for all the time. They have totally taken their hands off. They've forgotten it. They're off being something else. And so when, when, when Jesus came, when the master came and, and asked him about the gift, the talent that he had put in his life, uh, and where was it, the guy responded and he said, I was so afraid. And I went and hid your talent, hid your gift in the ground. Here, you can have what's yours. What was that person afraid of? They were afraid of being accountable for the gift. I'm afraid I would lose it. I'm afraid if I go out and risk it in life, what if I fail? I'm afraid I can't manage it. One way or another, fear, perhaps fear of having to ride it into the ground, fear of having to die to self, fear of having to take up the cross, fear of people ignoring you, fear of the more I obey God and develop the gift of the ministry God's given me, the more people trample over me, leave me in the dust to get what I am preaching, what I am giving, or what I am doing. Goody! <laughs> it's supposed to work that way. The seed breaks apart. The shell falls into the ground. But the Jesus comes forth, and that's what the people need. That's what, that's what brings them life. You and I aren't going to bring them life. So we either got to be the gift, or if you're going to be a celebrity, you better be good because the world's filled with a lot of talent. And I think, I know I have, and you should probably face it too, if you're going to compete as a celebrity, you just hang it up now. <laughs> Go with the gift. Just a little advice. You should not go make it as a celebrity. Never be afraid to believe the gift God gives you. Never be afraid to believe it. Never be afraid to embrace it. If you have a vision inside yourself, if you've seen yourself as, as, as a gift in a certain way, and you just think, I could never be that way. I, that's, a, that's crazy. I, I could never do that. Never be afraid of the gift that God gives you. Sometimes he gives gifts that complement your personality, uh, but not always. Sometimes the gifts he gives challenge your personality, but sometimes they complement you. Sometimes, um, you know, when he takes a Saul of Tarsus and he turns him into an apostle Paul, he uses the various gifts and talents that, that sharp mind um, the tenacity that Saul of Tarsus had, God had to redeem it and deal with it and break it and turn it around. Paul had to go through a lot for that to become useful to God. Sometimes God will put a gift in you that will 
use your personality, your traits. But sometimes not. Sometimes he puts a gift in you thinking God has made a mistake. God never makes a mistake. He never makes a mistake. Don't be afraid. His gifts in you are never limited by your personality. In 2 Timothy 1, chapter 6, uh, there's no chapter 6 in 2 Timothy. What am I doing? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Thank you. I've written a couple more chapters to the Bible here. Just about 30 minutes. So, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I, remain, I remind you to fan into flame. Everyone say, fan into flame. See those survival shows on TV where they're trying to make a fire and, and, and they get that little bit of the trying to make a spark and then I'm thinking to myself, thank God for big lighters. This is ridiculous if we had to be out there doing that all the time. So Paul writes to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, we have always heard that verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but? In one of those orders. Love, power, and a sound mind. How are you mix them up? God has given us power, love, and a sound mind. Spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Not given us a spirit of fear. But did you know that that was part of that sentence where he said, kindle up into flame the gift that God has put in your life. And we strip it out of that sentence and we just use it. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And how many people have gone out there and said, you know, I'm so afraid and I'm trying to overcome fear. So I'm going to confess that. God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Praise God in the name of Jesus. I have power... I have love. I have a sound mind. God's like, I bind you fear in the name. I command you to go. And the more they bind fear, and the more they loose all that stuff, the deeper into fear they get. I mean, it just it's like stirring the situation up. It doesn't really change anything because that's not what that verse means. That verse says, and listen to it in the flow of its context, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. For God has not given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. The gift that God has put in you will not cause you to fear. But the gift that God has put in you furnishes you with power, love, and a sound mind. When you pursue the gift that God has put in your life, no matter how crazy it may seem, no matter how beyond your natural abilities, when you pursue it, your fear will begin to dissipate. And confidence, amazing love, and, and, and a positive attitude will begin to rise up in you. You see that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind is assigned as a promise to those that stir up the gift that is in them. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I convinced somebody. I'm just, hallelujah. I, I was one, I was just, I've got one, Lord. When you live 
through your gift, it causes you to overcome fear and insecurity. It furnishes you with power, love, and self-control. And this brings us to our altar call. We're going to stop, put a chip clip on this. I am excited about next week because we're going to break this open and we are going to take a ride with this message. I, let me just kind of as our altar call this morning, just sort of throw out where I think we are heading in the coming weeks with this message about born to give. That phrase, fan into flames, the gift of God which is in you. I'm preaching and will be preaching these things to you so that you will realize, pursue, and become the gift giver that brings Jesus to your world. The Lord told me when I started preparing for this a while back ago, He said one of the greatest contributions you can make to this congregation is turn them on to the gift that God has put within them. If they get hold of it, if they embrace it, the fear will go. Power, love, and a sound mind will begin to rise up. They will begin to themselves go out into the harvest and impact the world around them for Jesus. Because the only thing keeping us from doing that is not knowing our gifting. It is knowing your gifting that energizes you, gives you direction, and causes you to be powerful and effective in the harvest. Can you say amen? amen. I'm calling fast. Anyone who would like to join me can feel free to join me. And uh, wow, I, you know, I visualize this moment when I announced that I'm calling a fast, and it, it was a little different when I was visualizing it. I was seeing like people going, oh, wow, I've been waiting for this, waiting to not eat. Sometimes the reality of things falls a little bit off. From, from where we imagine them to be. But you know, faith is you don't walk by what you see. You just press. So I'm just going to, you know, get up and, and, and keep making this announcement. Hallelujah. I'm calling a three-day fast for anyone who would like to join me. It begins Thursday morning. This Thursday morning. Oh, now, I'm, now it's really getting... You can... You can hear the nerves in the room. From jumping up and down the back is the guy that never eats anyway, so. Um, starting Thursday morning to Sunday morning, that's three days. Thursday morning to Sunday. I'm so excited, I can't wait. Because I've, I see a vision, and I want to share that vision with you. And this is no condemnation. This is for anyone who wants to. If you've heard this message about you are a gift, and you want to know what is my gift, the scripture, I shared it with you deliberately. I said it's one of my favorite out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We have received the Holy Spirit, who is from God, given to us so that we can realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts bestowed on us by God. That is why we're fasting. Holy Spirit, I want to realize, I want to comprehend, and I want to appreciate the gifts 
unique to my life. Show me, Lord. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, really? I'm 60-something years old. It's a little late for me to have a vision, to have a dream. It's not what Joel, Brother Joel said, old men shall dream dreams. In fact, let me tell you something. Your vision will make you young again. I wish I had time to go to talk to you about John here. We've been putting fencing in and everything out there in the hot, sweaty. You know, I mean, it's just beating you up two, three in the afternoon. You know, we're half dead digging those post holes, dragging up. And there he is. He's whistling a little tune. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Eighty-something years old. Eighty-one. Still, he's, he's got an eight in front of it. That's the, that's the big thing. So we're going to be fasting. You can, if you want to join us in this fast, fast however you feel led to fast. You can do the Daniel fast if you want. Uh, you know, you can do that. Some people like fast peanuts. Okay, I'm Jesus. I'll be having steak for breakfast, pork chops for dinner, but I'm fasting peanuts. I don't, look, it's between you and the Lord. You know, it's between you and the Lord. Personally, I feel like if you're fasting, it should mean something to you. It, it's, it's, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, if you hate asparagus, don't fast asparagus. You know, get real. Do something. Amen? People say, well, I've got to eat something. I've got a job. I've got a hard job. I sit at a desk all day. If I, I might get a little lightheaded. Again, no condemnation. Do whatever you need to do. But um, the whole idea of fasting is you put flesh aside and you reach out and believe God to take hold of you and to get you through. It's putting the things of the kingdom in front of the, the things of natural life. You're saying, Lord, I want to get in touch with my gift. I want to know what you have put in me. Hallelujah. So whatever, if you decide to participate in the fast, whatever you want to do is between you and the Lord. You're not reporting to anybody. But we're going to open this fast Thursday morning, and we're going to finish it after church on Sunday. Hallelujah. So I should probably promise you a short message on next Sunday so you can make a beeline out of here. But in closing, let me say to you, This, this whole message is about you getting hungry to either rediscover or get serious about the gift that is in your life. And I hope you realize, and I won't go and restate it, but I hope that you realize that we're talking about everything from ministries and visions and supernatural gifts to a gifted purpose, the purpose God gives you. That's your gift. That is what you are to be to the world. Hallelujah. So if you would close your Bibles, turn off your tablets, shut down your devices, and rise, and we're going to pray.